Um, am I allowed to say that? Where is the love? I just got back from vacation yesterday and I'm feeling, well, to be honest, I'm feeling like I have literally gone through the flames of hell and come out with third degree burns because that's kind of what happened. Um, But aside from that, I am feeling very relaxed and refreshed and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to get away and relax with Brent for a little bit. And if you take one thing away from what I say today, please let it be that when the side of the pill bottle says avoid direct sunlight, um, they mean it. They, they mean it. So just keep that in your back pocket. But today's discussion is for the people pleasers. It's for the people who care way too much about what others think about them, for the people who are laying in bed every night replaying a situation that happened to them eight years ago, Uh, the person who leaves an event and convinces convinces themselves that nobody likes them or cares about them or loves them, Um, the person who constantly thinks that everyone is talking about them, uh, constantly feeling like they have to explain themselves to everyone, even in situations and circumstances that don't matter. So if you identified with any of those things, keep listening because today's episode is for you. And I titled today's episode, To Be Honest, You Have Nothing to Prove to Anyone. Now, I want to hit you with some statistics um, that are some sociological observations and facts. The first one is that 25% of people you meet in your lifetime will not like you. That either discouraged some of you or set some of you free, knowing that 25% don't care who you are, don't care how great you are, 25% of people you meet in your lifetime will not like you. The second set of 25% of people you meet, they don't like you, but they may change their mind. Okay, so they don't like you, but there's room for them to, for you to grow on them. The third set of 25% of people you meet do like you, but might be persuaded not to. So they do like you, but then something could happen, or there could be someone who really doesn't like you who um, assists in changing this person's mind about liking you. In the fourth set of people, the fourth set of 25% of people, in your life will always love you and support you no matter what. So 20, only 25% of people in your lifetime, I mean, think about how many people you encounter all the time. Only 25% of people in your lifetime from here until when you die will love you and support you no matter what. A lot of people will spend a majority of their life trying to get people who do not genuinely care about them to like them. Social media is a prime example of that. And this is not just for the Gen Zers and the millennials, okay? This is for everyone when it comes to social media. I, it's so funny to me to hear older generations talk about how 
the phone is just such a problem for the young generation. I'm like, you post on Facebook 14 times a day. You share a verse or a saying at least 1,000 times a year. Okay, we see it. We all see that happening. Okay, just because it's not Instagram doesn't mean that it's not a problem for the older generations. And just because it's not TikTok doesn't mean it's not YouTube, okay? Also, if you view every single story that I post and you are from the older generation, you are on social media every single day. So just because you don't post does not mean that you are not just as addicted to your phone as some of the 35 and unders are. Now, with that being said, studies have shown that social media can cause depression and anxiety. Why is that? It's because you become dependent on a group of people who don't know you, don't really care about you. You become dependent on those people to define your value, to put a price tag on how much you're worth, to define whether or not you are good enough. You become dependent on a notification, a text message, an emoji, an email. You become dependent on these things to define your worth as a person. Studies have shown that when your phone goes off, when you receive any type of notification and you pick up your phone to see what it is, it induces the same dopamine as gambling because it is a roll of the dice. It's, am I going to win or am I going to lose? Is this going to be a good thing or is this going to be a bad thing? And that's why it becomes so addictive. Am I going to see something that's going to make me laugh or something that's going to make me cry? Am I going to see something that's going to make me happy and excited? Or am I going to see something that's going to make me feel depressed and alone and left out? It's a total roll of the dice and it is a gamble of emotions, which you become addicted to. Okay, I had to put an ice pack on my nose. Um, I had to take a little pause to put an ice pack on my nose because It is burning like fire and uh, peeling, and I, I literally look like a clown right now. Like my nose is so red, it looks fake. Um, So if I sound a little bit muffled, you know what is happening with the audio. But people can become literally addicted to the thoughts and the opinions of other people about their life. And now I I don't think that you necessarily need social media for that. I think people can get in the habit of that uh, without social media, but social media does a great job in assisting with that. And that's great. And that, that works maybe um, for a period of time when people are telling you how great you did, when people are telling you They're patting you on the back about what an amazing mother you are or, you know, how incredible a message was that you preached last week or how beautiful you are. All of that can really work for your self-esteem and work for you when people's opinions are good. However, it's not sustainable when people's opinions about you are not good, which let me just tell you. Let me break the news to you if you're listening right now and you think that everybody loves you and likes you. um, They don't. And not everyone's opinion about you is good. And not everybody thinks highly of you. And one thing that's funny about that is that you can be so hung up on the fact that a person or people 
don't like you and what you may not know is that it might not have anything to do with you. Um, Maybe you carry things and you have things that that person wants. Therefore, they're jealous of you because they want to be you and you are hung up on the fact that they don't like you because you feel like you are insufficient in some area. And when you constantly live to please people, it throws you into performance mode 100% of the time, which is not only exhausting, but it also is a counterfeit version of who you actually are. It's disingenuine. People-pleasing and performance mode, it causes you to say things you don't actually mean. It causes you to do things with the wrong heart and the wrong motivation. It causes you to invest time and energy into things that you don't really care about. And all of that, just to, at the end of the day, still feel like you are disappointing everyone because your whole worth and identity is caught up in what other people think about you. Constantly caring what other people think about you, constantly trying to perform and prove yourself to other people is never ever going to give you a life of peace because people's opinions about you are constantly changing. So if you find that your opinion about yourself is also constantly changing, one day you're good enough and then the next day you're not, one day you're sufficient, the next day you're insufficient. And I'm not talking about having to fight rough moments. Okay, I'm not talking about having to fight the thoughts that the enemy puts in your head because you're always going to have to renew your mind with truth. I'm talking about a cycle of basing your worth on the opinions of others. And if you find that your worth is dependent on what someone else thinks about you, then I would encourage you to take a step back and evaluate who is in charge of how I think about myself, who is in charge of how I view myself, Because when God is in charge of that, nothing else matters. When you accept as your reality that God, here's the deal. It's one thing to know something. It's one thing to know that you don't have anyone to impress and that you don't have anything to prove to anyone because you're a son and you're a daughter of God and you're loved by him. But it's another thing to accept that as your reality and to allow that to transform your life. There are a lot of people who know that God loves them, but hate themselves because they haven't allowed it to become their reality and transform their life. And when it is your reality that you have no one to impress, that you have nothing to prove because you are loved and accepted by God, then the opinions and expectations that people have about you, they don't control you. But you have to fully believe that in order for it to become a reality in your life. That on your best day, on your worst day, on your prettiest day, on your ugliest day, on the day where people are talking about you behind your back, when people are saying things about you that aren't true, when you are being wrongfully accused, that you can still live in peace because you don't only know, but you believe that you have nothing to prove to anyone. Not everyone is going to understand when God asks you to do something, but it's not your responsibility to convince them that it's God. I know I already said this, but you can make spirit-led decisions that no one else around you understands, that everyone is questioning, that everyone is sitting you down about. You can make spirit-led decisions and live in peace when you live out the reality that you have nothing 
to prove to anyone. I sang and did music my whole life. It was like my thing. It was, um, it was the gift that God gave me. And that's what I thought I was created to do. So I packed up all of my things when I was 18 to go to Texas and pursue worship and music. And I just knew, I knew I was going to be the next Carrie Job. I just, I knew it. And I got there and God called me to min- to youth ministry, which was like a out of total left field for me. It wasn't what I wanted for myself, but God called me to youth ministry, gave me a heart and a passion for youth ministry. I stopped pursu- pursuing music. And I'm not saying that you can't do both. Um, this was more of a matter of God telling me, hey, I need you here more than I need you here. And which... I think it should be noted that your gift doesn't always equal your call and your call doesn't always equal your gift. That's for another episode. But everyone around me was questioning, why would you stop doing music? Why are you doing this? I had someone tell me, don't you feel like this is a waste? Don't you feel like this is a waste of a gift that God's giving you? And it it caused me to step back and start questioning everything that God had told me because of what everyone else around me was saying. So then I thought, okay, maybe I will minor in music. You know, maybe I'll still continue to do music. I'll still continue to sing. And then youth ministry can kind of be more of like a side thing. Why? To make everyone around me think that what I was doing was not a huge mistake. To shut off what God had already spoken to me and had already told me. And to make everyone else around me happy. To make everyone else around me feel like I wasn't doing the wrong thing. Someone came up to me when I was in Bible college and they had a, they told me they had a word for me and contrary to most Christians, um, when people would say that to me, it didn't make me excited, mostly because I was a, a huge skeptic. And so I didn't really know if what they were saying was going to be real or if it was going to be just something ridiculous. I don't know. But this, this girl came up to me. She said she had a word for me. And she was like, looking me in the eyes like, this is so for real. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you going to tell me or are we just going to sort of have a stare off here? Clearly, I had the right attitude in receiving this word. But she told me, um, she said, hey, I feel like you are going to not fit where other people think you should. How encouraging is that? You know, I was like, Roger that. Okay. She said, you know those those kids' toys where they, they have to match the shape to the shape that's on the board and they have to try to put it in? She said, people are going to constantly try to do that with you. They're going to try to put you in molds, but that's not where you belong. And you have to remember that. At the time, that didn't really mean anything to me. But throughout my life, that has been a word from God. And not everyone's opinion about you reflects you, but it will take over your identity if you allow it to. And one thing that I tell myself all the time is that I have nothing to prove to anyone and I have nobody to impress. And in moments of weakness, that has allowed me to stay true to who I am and to not compromise what God has called me to, to make sure that everyone else around me understands me. You have nothing to prove to anyone, 
and you have no one to impress. I hope today was encouraging. I hope today helped you. And I'm I'm actually not sure what episode this is. Is it seven, six, seven? I don't know. Either way, stay tuned for the next episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening today. And if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is released, you can subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at Celeste underscore Ely.